0: Good afternoon, welcome to the panel. Well, you heard Up the Wires there from Marama, and uh, if you are going to Up the Wires, we have a special surprise for you in about 10 minutes' time, so stay listening to the panel. But let's talk scamming. This front page of the New Zealand Herald today, one woman, a widow, alleges she was tricked into wiring $100,000 of her retirement savings in the belief she was investing in a Citibank's bond backed by the Commonwealth Bank of Australia. She thought the recipient ASB account had been set up under her own name, turned out to be an elaborate ruse. And the investment advisor she'd been speaking to, actually a scammer. Uh, ASB said to the New Zealand Herald, it was confident, quote, our customer due diligence and ongoing account monitoring procedures are robust. With us is Dr Claire Matthews, uh, expert in banking at Massey University. Dr Matthews, kia ora. Kia ora, Wallace. So I guess the question here I have is, should the bank or the banks in New Zealand have some sort of duty of care?
1: I um, say they, they do have a duty of care, and they are dealing with that at the moment. Um, in this particular case, one of the questions to be asked is whether the recipient bank has any responsibility? Because in this particular case, it appears that the person that was receiving the money didn't just receive it from one person, they actually received it from five uh, five or six different people. so they were they were a mule um, on several occasions. So the question is, Was there something about those transactions that should have alerted ASB as the bank where they were, where the mule was banking, um, that what that person was doing was money laundering? Because there is a whole lot of processes in place and a lot of flags that would be identified. But it's not clear whether – we don't have any information as to whether ASB made inquiries, what information or what responses they got from the, the account holder that may have allayed any concerns, but there's definitely some questions to be asked there.
0: Yeah, and it's just, uh, it just, uh, it just ruins people's lives, does not it, Claire? I mean, you're talking, you're talking tens of thousands of dollars. And in, in another case, a couple lost $300,000 plus. Her bank, ANZ, didn't flag the large transfer as suspicious. You know, they refused liability, arguing they authorized the transaction. So I guess that's the question, isn't it? Who really is culpable?
1: Yeah, and I mean, there's the two sides of it. And in terms of the payment going out, the, the account holder is authorising that transaction. So there's nothing from the bank's perspective to say that the transaction shouldn't go. It's been authorised by the account holder. Right. It's whether there's anything else about the transaction that should raise concerns. And, you know, if, if what the customer is doing is totally unusual, then you could ask some questions. But sometimes you ask questions and you get answers that provide um, at the time, seem realistic, seem reasonable, but with hindsight, you think, oh, when you realise that there's something gone wrong, you realise that actually maybe those weren't good answers, but at the time they seemed perfectly reasonable. So there is that 2020 hindsight that does cause some issues as well.
0: Have you been scammed? Text me two one zero one. Let's bring in Catherine.
2: Yeah, I mean, all I can think, I was like in my head. I remember when um, I banked ages ago with the National Bank and I went with my um, sister-in-law to Sydney and I forgot to tell the bank that I was going and they stopped my credit card after the second purchase, which meant I had to sponge off my sister-in-law. So they, you know, and I just, a quick phone call um, ascertained that I was definitely in Sydney and spending some money on my credit card. So they reinstated it. But maybe there's a for certain big you know big transactions there's a kind of a pause, where there's a holding where the bank can you know yeah. even though the um, account holder has authorised it maybe there's a holding period where they go are you sure you know are you sure have you done all your due due diligence? That's
0: quite a good solution. Claire. a holding could be a sort of a a, a six hour holding period. I don't know.
1: Which is interesting because we've gone really hard at this whole, you know, seven days a week, um, almost 24 hours a day Mm. payments. Um, So that's kind of going in the face of that, but Mm. not necessarily wrong. Um, But then the question is, what proportion of transactions are fraudulent um, are the result of a scam and how many are perfectly legitimate? And how do the customers who've got perfectly legitimate transactions feel about being held up because of the small number of scam transactions so so there is a there is that balance to be to be managed um, and, and the banks um, as Catherine's pointed out the banks do have various systems and they do pick up all sorts of weird and wonderful things going on and'll ask questions about those um, but the reality of scammers are very very clever and they're constantly looking at ways of getting round whatever checks and balances um, the banks are putting in place.
3: Yeah. So the reality does end up sometimes that we can go like, way in, in the other direction. So so while I sympathize with what you're talking about, Catherine, I've had a similar experience in, in going back to the UK and not being able to use my my um, debit card because I, was, I did tell my bank I was going and they forgot. But um, <laughs> my, my daughter earlier this year wanted to go back to the US, back to Florida for a friend's wedding. Um, she was trying to use her American bank account and her American bank decided it was too much of a sum of money to take out all at once and wouldn't let her access her funds. Um, In the end, um, her mother and I, uh, my wife and I had to help her out and we we paid her and she paid us back uh, for the tickets. But but we we can't end up with our banks sort of um, nannying us, holding on, saying, now, are you quite sure you want to spend this? I mean, the flip side is we're possibly trying to save her from going to Florida, which would have been reasonable. But you can't have the bank holding the purse strings all the time. That gets dangerous.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I that's was the point that there is there is that balance balancing act
3: Sorry.
0: yeah uh, now are banking regulations in line with what is happening overseas on this because this must be an international issue
1: oh absolutely it's an international issue um so in terms of money laundering we do have I mean all the customer due diligence and things uh that's managed under the financial Um, and I've forgotten what the ASPEN is for, Task Force, um, which makes it's an international agreement um, that requires New Zealand to have certain regulations in place that we have to adhere to. But there are some things that other countries are doing. So one of the things that we don't do in New Zealand, and that would potentially be a good step, is to actually have the facility where the banks actually check that the account number and the name actually match so that when you put in that you know, you're know you paying Joe Bloggs to this account at Bank A that Bank A actually says yes, this account belongs to Joe Bloggs and it's not actually an account in the name of John Smith so that you can you can see that the money's going to who you think it's going to. So that's one thing that could potentially be brought in. Oh, yeah. One of the other things that they are doing in the UK, and I don't actually support this, is actually making the banks fully liable for all um, scam losses.
0: Why don't you support that?
1: That's it um, because it kind of removes the responsibility for the for the victims and I know that in most cases they are purely victims, but it, it, and it also reduces, um, makes it easier for the scammers because then they can justify it that I'm not actually ripping off you know, Jane Smith over there. It's actually bank, that big, horrible bank that I'm ripping off and I don't care about that. So from the scammers' perspective, it gives them a little bit more legitimacy, if you like.
0: Uh, hey, nice to have you on the programme, Dr Matthews. Kia ora. Really interesting stuff. Uh, here's one here. I got a call yesterday, actually. I was very suspicious, so I checked my card and asked which card. They said ANZ. I'm not a customer. When I told him he was a scammer and I was contacting the police, he got very aggressive and said, I was going to F you up. Another one here, Grant says, I got a Westpac phishing text yesterday, claimed I had got a new device, which I hadn't, and to click on a link to verify. So it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty scary. Uh, do be careful. Do be safe out there. 16 past four. The panel are uh, nashed We have... Um, We have uh, a lot for you to come We've also got on the show Catherine uh, Robertson and Steve McCabe Now, to this It's a weekend like no other If you're a sports fan not only do we have All Blacks versus France at the Rugby World Cup, we also have the Warriors versus the Penrith Panthers at a qualifying final a few hours after, 6pm NZ time Penrith. Warriors, they've been on a roll and they've taken the nation with them. It sometimes feels like a competition with who can up the Wars the most. It was even on uh, the 4 o'clock bulletins with, with Marama. The New Zealand Warriors Chief Executive Cameron George thinks that more fans will watch Penrith than the All Blacks. Well, that's up for debate. So what's with all this new fandom? I thought, let's go back to the old school fans, and that would have to include Sir Peter Leach.
4: Welcome to the panel, Sir Peter. Sorry, he can't make it. You've only got the mad butcher today. He's the league man, the mad butcher's the league man. Up the waz, up the waz. And I want to publicly thank the All Blacks for putting on the curtain raiser tomorrow for us. That's really good of the All Blacks, (laughs) really good, really good. Isn't that
0: amazing? You heard it on the panel first. Sir Peter Leach calls the All Blacks one the curtain raiser. Is there an element of real pride here, Sir Peter, on how we've all now adopted the Warriors, or are they, or Johnny-come-latelys?
4: No, they're genuine fans. Everywhere I go, because I suffer with verbal diarrhea, I talk to everybody. Everywhere I go, i have just at the party now where a, a, a guy's got a, a, a charity called Big Buddy and he wanted me to go and, you know, thank some people that support him. And everyone that come, we're talking about up the Warriors, up the Was, you know. Uh, the, what we've done, in my humble opinion, we've captured the imagination of the country. The coach, the coach is very special and the way we've been playing is special and the results speak for themselves. And people are just, you know, excited about it, very excited.
0: Well, I tell you something, Sir Peter, it's the talk of the town, it's the talk of my friends uh, on the Warriors, and uh, a lot of people will be uh, watching this uh, game tomorrow. Before we go to the panel, though, um, what sort of a chance do the Warriors have, Sir Peter, defending the champions, uh, Penrith, it'll be a huge task, right?
4: There's no question it'll be a huge ask, but every game's winnable. Every game's winnable. And, you know, we've won games this year that no-one gave us a chance to win. So, yes, we're in with the show. You know, there's no question about that. But, look, to give you some idea of how they've gripped the nation. I truly, I cannot go anywhere without someone wanting to say, up the bars to me, oh, they're going good, butch. You know what I mean? And it's very, for, for a league person like me, it's very exciting, you know, to have that, the game being the number one ticket in town.
0: Oh, I can tell you, in your element, you're so, can, can you feel the excitement just running off Sir Peter Leach here, Catherine?
2: I can, and it's really, it's really thrilling, and I think, one of, one of the good things about you know, with the Warriors doing so well at the moment is because they haven't always performed. And I think we love it yeah. when a team comes up and suddenly finds its moment and its magic. And, you know, and that's super thrilling to see this happen to them.
4: True, isn't it, Peter? Can I, can I share something with Catherine, please? Catherine, what's happened this year, our CEO is a great guy, Cameron George, and our coach is a mag- magnificent man. And he's made a big difference. He's bonded the player. He's got the fans like me excited, you know. Um, so that's part of what's happened. So, And I love the fact that you referred to them, to the Warriors. Well done.
0: Just before we go, <laughs> hang, hang on, let's pick up on that. Uh, before we go to Steve McCabe here. You love the fact that Catherine referred to, them, uh, to the Warriors. Do you have a bit of a Do you have a bit of an issue with the up the Wars phrase, Sir Peter Leach?
4: No, 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 no. You're not going to take me down that lane. You're always a troublemaker, mate. The first time I met you, you were a troublemaker, <laughs> mate. So you're not going to get me into that. If people want to call them the WARS, they can call them. Me personally, it's always Let's go Warriors, and I I just wanted to acknowledge Catherine for her wisdom. You know.
0: Good on you. No, fair, fair
3: point, fair call, it's Peter Leach. All right, Steve. Well, I, I, I love the extremely Kiwi intro you did to this bit, Wallace, when you said it's a great weekend for sports fans. Because we've got rugby league and rugby union both. It's like that line in the Blues Brothers where they say, "Oh yeah, we we, we play both kinds of music in here. We've got country and western." And yeah, it's, there's definitely echoes of that. But but you know, Pete, Peter's right. It's great to see league being uh, a bit more prominent. I'm from am from the north of England, I'm from Manchester. Actually, from Salford. Oh, yeah. And if you, if you're a league fan, you'll know the name of Salford. I, I I went to high school just up the road from the Willows. This is proper rugby. None of this soft southern nonsense. This is real good, hard northern <laughs> rugby being played. And it's good to see proper rugby on. <laughs> Love
4: for a change. Listen, Steve, I love you, mate. Cheers, mate. You're, you're great, mate. You're, <laughs> you're speaking to the converter. Incidentally, I'm a Leeds Rhino fan. Well, we, well, we were because...
3: friends for a brief moment there, mate, but suddenly he just ruined it. Sorry. Yeah. Wrong side of the pen Listen eyes.
4: to all this. So you're aware of Salford, Peter Leach? Of course I am. I love England. I love the north of England. The fans... Let me say this to you. The greatest league fans I've ever... ...world are in Papua New Guinea and the UK. They just unbelievable. The fans are just
3: unbelievable. You know, quite right too.
0: Isn't it interesting? I'd say I didn't know that, Steve, about you. That, I didn't know that rugby league had such
3: dominance in the north. Oh yeah, ru- ru- up, up north, league is a oh, just rugby league is a proper hard man's game. Good uh, Rugby unions down south, it's for a bunch of southern softies. Thank um, you, darling. And, and the the split is huge.
0: In that interesting. Okay. What well, well, while you're there, You've Peter, are
3: you still there, Peter? No,
0: he's all gone, but it wasn't that interesting. So there you go. That's uh, Sir Peter Leach there. Um, And, uh, yeah, that passion is running off him, uh, isn't it? Now, um, you're on the panel, RNZ National. It is 23 past four. We have Steve McCabe and Catherine uh, Robinson. Um, Yeah, a bit about uh, scamming. My partner was scammed about four weeks ago, and the bank has still not got back to us. Her accounts have been locked, and she has had no access to any money left. She was devastated Gosh. at the time. We called her bank within minutes of realising she was being scammed. They locked her accounts then but told us they could see the money was being withdrawn from ATMs in Auckland. We are in Christchurch. Please be careful. Best of advice, if anyone calls from a bank is to hang up, they can contact you by another means. So quite a bit coming through on scamming. Um, why don't you contact me? Uh, email me at the panel. At rnz.co.nz, we may come back to scamming if you have been scammed. Uh, Now, we talked earlier about, because the Consumer NZ, they've revealed today how long your appliances should last. Uh, They reckon ovens and stoves 15 years. I am amazed. I'm stunned by the response we have had this afternoon about uh, your appliances. With us right now is Dave. Welcome, Dave. Yeah, good day, Wallace. How's it going? Oh, great to have you on. What's your appliance? It is a Calvinator chest freezer that we've had since 1987. Let's do the sums on that. You did the sum, Steve. That's a long time. <laughs> Thirty six years. <laughs> That's okay. Thirty six years. That's extraordinary. Um, have you? What have you done to make it last so long? There, Dave. I think the option. Best option is to leave it and only open it irregularly. How did you tell us the story of this uh, appliance? How did you come by it? It's a, it was a wedding present. We got married in 1986 and we were given some cash by parents. And we thought the best use for it would be to buy a chest freezer. And the thing has kept going and going and going. just shows you how good Fisherman & Paykel is. There's a love story, Catherine, isn't it? 36 years I on.
2: Have this ho- I have this horrible feeling it'll be like the grandfather's clock, you know, and as soon as it <laughs> stops going, you're going to have to get divorced.
4: Terrible. <laughs> uh,
0: hopefully that won't happen. Nice one. Well, Dave, keep up the good work with the fridge, 36 years, 36 years young. Also with us is Sue. Welcome, Sue.
1: Hi,
0: how are you Oh look so good today happy friday so what's I your know, what, it's what's your day yeah where Where are you calling in from
1: um i'm calling from north of Cheviot in the in the south island
0: oh wonderful uh what's your appliance?
1: My appliance is a stick blender that is uh, about twenty three years old i it 's a brawn stick blender that my father in law gave me for Christmas one year and Everybody else I know who's had one like that, they've gone off, you know, they've broken down or something. But mine just keeps on going. It's very basic. All it is is just the straight blender that you put into the pot. It doesn't have any attachments or anything, but it just goes and goes and goes. It's wonderful.
0: There's something about – we've had such a response, so I'm just wondering what it is about – an appliance, that means something to people. Is it, is it because it rem, it reminds us, hey, back in the day, our appliances lasted? Yes, I think that's true. Yeah. Mm. Well, it's very nice Definitely. to have you on, Sue. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much. Here's a few more. Quentin says, my Morphe Richards toaster, 65 years on, still going. A few new elements, though. Well, I can't get past two years on my toaster, Steve McCabe.
3: Uh, I've got a rice cooker that I think my wife and I got the year after we got married. And we had our 22nd wedding anniversary two days ago. So that's about the oldest we've got.
0: Very impressive. Catherine?
2: Yeah, I had a hairdryer. I actually bought it. We moved from America to Britain and I bought a 15-pound hairdryer from Boots in Islington. Um, and it lasted almost 22 years. And then it just went fritz. So good on you, boots hairdryer.
0: That is fantastic. Here's a couple more. My Panasonic bread maker is 23 years old and still going strong. Um, Anna says I had a Fisher and Paykel clothes dryer that was as old as me, 50. A switch needed replacing when I phoned F and P. The course person laughed at how, how old it was. Uh, our freezer, forty-seven years old, still going. Uh, our toaster that granddad gave us for our wedding present, fifty years old, and clapped out only two years ago. Uh, what, 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 what is it with these fifty-year-old toasters? I can't get my new toasters to last more than twenty-four months. What are you, what are you using, and what am I
3: using? I don't get it. Is do you think what, what what are you doing to this toaster, Wallace? Well, uh, what are you what putting are you into it apart toaster? from bread?
0: <laughs> well, I'm just I'm just putting in. Your, 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 is it your Vogels, your Mollenberg, your Tip Top? I don't know, but it Hang just on, tip doesn't top, last. you're putting ice
3: cream in your toaster. That's, yeah, your, yeah. <laughs> that's your problem right there, mate. That's what's doing it.
0: Ah, very good. But is there something to that, Catherine, that our appliances don't seem to last today, whereas they, I mean, that's the serious message here they used to back in the day?
2: Well, I'm not sure. And also we're, I mean, if things get more complicated, they've got more, you oh, know, like um, sort of breaking down. But I have, I have to shout out, to LT Campbell and Torrey Street, which has been a business that's been around for, I don't know, decades, they fix small appliances and they are brilliant at it. So if you're anywhere in the vicinity of LT Campbell and you've got a small appliance, take it to them and see what they can do. I think Catherine's
3: just um, identified what's going on here. I think there's not enough small appliance repair people any longer. We're not fixing stuff. I don't. Here's your next question then. Not what's your longest appliance. What's your longest serving appliance that never needed fixing? And I guarantee you we're oh. not getting 50 years out of that kind of stuff.
0: I can't find a place to fix my toaster. You're making my can't, point for me. Can't find it. I rest my case. There are repair cafes. They're very good. We might try and get one on next week. RNZs have them on. But you cannot find a bona fide independent fixer person. No. Yeah. Uh, we have a toaster still working. Zip brand, 50 years old. Uh, Wallace, they're not appliances, but my mother-in-law has a zest greater than that is 80 years old. Amazing. Um, I, I've i had a realtor kitchen whiz since 78. Gosh, they streaming through. Uh, a sunbeam made in New Zealand, handheld beater, twin whirlers, no less, belonged to my aunt, and it got, I got it when she died in 93. It was already old, so maybe 50 years old, says Guida in Mount Eden. Stunned by your responses about your oldest appliance. So with us now is is Marama Te for Up The Wa Headlines. <laughs> Thank you, Marama. Others. Did you hear Sir Peter Leach on the programme? I just missed oh, it. He's a treat, I tell yes, you what. And a fan. Mm.